0: The Bob Murphy Show, episode 279. There's a tidal wave coming. What you gonna do? Get ready for another episode of The Bob Murphy Show.
1: The podcast promoting free markets, free minds, and grateful souls. It's your source for commentary and interviews conducted by a Christian and economist. Now here's your host, Bob Murphy. Hey
0: everybody, welcome back to the Bob Murphy Show. Today I'm going to be talking with Premisil Bosak, who is the creator of Disputio. The website is disput.com. .io which is a completely voluntary mediation site that brings together people who have a dispute that they need to solve or resolve I should say and then mediators or guides who just help as the terms suggest negotiate between the parties and help them reach a mutually agreeable resolution to their conflict in the interview Premisil actually makes a distinction he says what we're offering here I wouldn't, you know, they're certainly not judges and they're not even arbitrators. They're better thought of as mediators or guides because it's not that the two people come and submit their case and then the person rules on it, but rather the person is truly helping two people who are trying to work something out and they just can't do it on their own, trying to help them to achieve or reach that destination by offering them guidance. So that's the model. We were introduced to each other by mutual friend Tatiana Moreau, so I want to acknowledge that. She's doing good work making connections with people, and I think it's going to be a very interesting discussion. I think you're going to enjoy it. It dovetails nicely with a lot of stuff I've said theoretically about private law or voluntary law, and so what Premisil was doing is he read all that literature and decided to be one man making a difference. So here's my discussion with Premisil Bosak on Disputio. Welcome to the Bob Murphy Show. Thank you very much for having me. So, can you, before we dive into the the details of what you're building with Disputio, can you just give the listeners some background about where you're coming from and what got you onto this project? Sure.
1: So, I come from the Czech Republic in Central Europe. And it's like 15 years ago, I started attending some local libertarian meetups. And I came across a lot of very interesting literature and authors like Rothbard, uh, Ayn Rand, Mises and those guys. And it was very interesting because it gave me a lot of answers for the questions I had b- before. And I was always trying to find a way through the like political solution to the pro- to the societal problems. And those author then gave me a completely different view and I started to be an, what we can say, anarcho-capitalist. What particularly was interesting to me was the theory of ethics because I thought, okay, I think that the ethics basically lies at the bottom of everything. And so let's first find out what are the ethical principles these guys are working on. I was especially interested in the theory made by Stefan Molyneux, if if you know him, Mm -hmm. he proposed a theory which is called universally preferable behavior, and he tries to objectively define the ethical principles. Then uh, later, I started thinking, okay, uh, once we have established the ethical principles, how are those ethical principles related to law? And in the current system, we know that in, we live in the authoritarian law. So there's basically no relation between the ethical principles and law because the law is created by politicians based on some lobby groups' interests and it's, it has nothing to do with morality. So I thought, okay, but was it always in the past this way? So I looked into history <clears throat> and I read several books. One of the best was probably by Bruce Benson, the mm-hmm. Price of law. And he described how the basically law evolved through the history of mankind. And one of the examples of a perfectly working, spontaneously created system of law was the law merchant in the medieval times, medieval era. <clears throat> and I thought, okay, that's, <laughs> that's very nice. And then the idea was that In the 11th century, the international trade grew rapidly, and those merchants who were going from port to port, they needed somehow to settle the disputes. And each port was in different country, but they needed something that is shared along the countries. And they also needed something that matched their special type of economical interactions. And also, they needed something that is quick, effective that's predictable, and that can really address uh, new situations that uh, emerge in their businesses. So they basically created this law merchant, which was derived from the economical interactions between the uh, traders, and they established a web of private courts, which were basically located in every pod. And those new rules that were designed to, to help them to prevent or solve the real problems they encountered, mm-hmm. And those private laws, those private courts, they were in the port, as I said, and they had to resolve the possible problems very quickly because very often the boat parked there just for a few days and if the conflict arose, then they had to act really quickly. So I thought, oh, that's good, it's really nice and how it was enforced. In, it was very easy simply by ostracism. When mm-hmm. someone didn't follow the ruling of the court, the other merchants simply denied the, to cooperate with them. And it was really powerful
0: threat, so no violence was used. And uh, So, Premisil, can I stop you? Let me just make sure the listeners who aren't familiar yeah. with this understand, because that's critical, obviously, what you said. I just want to make sure. So, we, folks, what he's saying is these were not, like, sanctioned courts by the king or the parliament or something. These were just ad hoc, we might say, arrangements that were voluntary. And, you know, some merchant gave a shipment of goods. And then the buyer said, oh, wait a minute. These fish are spoiled that are in this. And so I'm not paying for this. And the merchant said, no, they're fine. What are you talking about?
1: So mm-hmm. they had
0: this dispute. And so they would go to a private judge. I don't know. Do they call him judge, actually, or just a mediator? I don't know what term they used back then. I figured- and that person would rule very quickly. Mm-hmm. And there was no force of law behind it. It's not that soldiers would show up and punish you if you didn't pay the fine, but that all the merchants would know if you submitted to this private court and then didn't abide by the ruling or the judgment, then everybody else would know, well, don't do business with that guy because if something doesn't turn out right, you know, he's rogue. He doesn't follow the rules.
1: Yes, exactly how it was. And the thing is that the rules were designed for them. So it was like they created the rules. The rules were created mm. by the resolved conflicts, I would say. And if a new situation emerged, they, then they changed the rule or added the new rule that reflected the new situation. So let's say the rule book or this merchant law was like, to some degree, it was quite rigid. So it's predictable. But when the new situation came, then they added the paragraph for the new situation to cover the new situation. But yeah, that's the big difference that the law was created from bottom-up, not from the powerful authority. And it was not backed mm-hmm. by the authority. It was uh, like naturally respected by the merchants because they expected to be treated fairly. Because that was their biggest motivation. They expected to be treated fairly. And if, for example, some private court didn't treat them fairly, they wouldn't go there for the resolution.
0: Yeah, and it's the idea I got was that just to kind of go along with what you're saying there, Premisil. Like, if you just think about the incentives and the the norms, like a private judge or mediator, again, whatever term we want to use for that person who's hearing the dispute and the one person says, like, ah, yes, I delivered the fish. And the other person says, yeah, but they were stinking and rotten and putrid. And the first person says, yes, that's exactly how people want fish. Obviously, like the judge would say, okay, that's wrong. You know what I mean? Like, and if he didn't rule that way, well, then the community wouldn't mind if the person who lost that ruling said, that's crazy, I want to go get a second opinion. Right, right? So, I mean, there were certain parameters. So, yes, there was really, but I mean, if something were just truly ridiculous, or, or if the community learned that one of the parties behind the table paid 10 ounces of gold to the judge so that he'd rule in his favor, that would obviously spell the ruin of that guy's career as a judge. Like everyone yep. said, we well, can't go to that person anymore because we showed he's corrupt. Yes. It can be just a rumor that mm-hmm. he is like not
1: treating people fairly. It, they didn't need to catch him accepting the gold. It was just the people say you are not treating people fairly, so mm-hmm. you are done. Basically, in today's court, today's court, you would need to catch the judge. Uh, <laughs> sorry, catch the judge taking the bribe to really expel him mm-hmm. from the community of judges. But if everybody knows that the judge is corrupted, and you didn't catch him he can still be a judge and mm. you basically have to go to him
0: because it's not up to you to decide which judge you are going. To. Yep. The other irony too is in any legal case involving the government itself, where the government is like a defendant or a plaintiff, by definition, the judge gets paid by the party because <laughs> it's you know, he's on the government's payroll. So that's kind of ironic.
1: And I would distinguish the judge and the mediator because in my application, in my application, we are using mediators, or we can say arbitrator or judge. Arbitrators or judges, they at the end of the, they give the ruling, so they decide. Okay, this is how it happened, and this is what you should do. This is the arrangement. He is the decision maker. But in the mediation, the decision makers are the people who are having the dispute. So mm-hmm. the mediator basically just leads them and helps them to. He helps them to find the root cause, to creatively find the solutions, which is acceptable for both of them. But at the end, it's the disputants who are creating the outcome, the final outcome. So there's the distinguish between the mediator and the
0: the other. Okay, yeah. Okay, I like that difference in terminology. Okay, so I guess before we just leave the literature, one thing I want to say, and I don't know if you... So when I was, I think it was an undergrad when I really started reading a lot of this stuff and opened up my eyes. And I remember one revelation to me, or epiphany, was I was reading Hayek's Law, Legislation, Liberty, and Bruno Leone's Freedom in the Law. And <laughs> and they both, they made the point, like the reason Hayek has it, you know, folks, in case you don't know this, like he's always got this classic series called Law, Legislation, Liberty, multiple volumes. It's not redundant. Like for him to say law, comma, legislation, he's saying those are different things. And the idea was that historically, rulers thought, oh, yeah, it's illegal to kill someone or to steal, not because humans said so, just because it is. Just like two plus two equals four, it just does. It's not because Euclid said so. Euclid discovered that or, you know, whatever. Obviously, they knew that beforehand. So by the same, but whereas legislation was a more modern idea where humans got the hubris to think we have the authority to say what the legal code is. And that, like, that actually would not have even occurred to earlier political authorities. They would have just said, no, the law is what it is and we enforce it. So, can you speak now, premises? So, what went from you, like you being uh, first theory and then praxis? Like, why? What made you decide not only is this an interesting idea, but I can go do something about this?
1: Yeah. So, I thought that there are very important parts of that path, uh, of mm-hmm. that past. Uh, situation or or how they dealt with the dispute resolution. So I thought, okay, how we can bring those past principles into the current world? And of course, we are limited by law, what we can do, what's possible. We cannot replace judges. We can work within some given limits given by the legislature you are under. Mm -hmm. I thought, okay, I would use the modern technology and try to bring as many principles as possible to, to the current world. So first principle I I stick to was it's permissionless. So basically anyone can go there and be a judge or be a mediator in my case. or And on the other hand, anyone can come and ask for help. Mm-hmm. So I designed it like a two-tier system where in the, the first tier, you are helped by the volunteers who volunteered at to gain the practice, to train being the mediator basically, and they are giving their work for free. And on the other hand, you can come there and you can ask those guys to give you help. It works like that you have a dispute, you send an invitation to a disputing party. Once the disputing party agrees, it appears as an offer to mediators, we call them guides, and they can pick the case and then started helping you. In the tier two, you can choose based on experience or reputation, the guide, and you will have to pay for it because it will be an experienced person. So that's the permissionless. The second thing I wanted to seek to is that you can be anonymous there. So you can, you can uh, maintain your privacy. So once you enter the application, you can be there under your digital handle. You don't need to reveal any of your personal data. And uh, on that free and on that free tier, it's also valid for the mediators for the guides. The application is text only, which allows us to maintain the anonymity. That's one thing. Another thing is that the communication is asynchronous, so you can type in the time when you have time, and you don't have to arrange for for meetings, looking for a quiet place, or, or organizing anything. So. That's time-saving. Another thing is that based on the past experience, those, guy, those guys will get the reputation. So you will mm-hmm. have a hub that, that there are people with a certain history in the paid version. And you can see, okay, this guy has a, a result, like 50 cases in 20 cases, they brought them to agreement. And he received this evaluation from the disputants. And based on this, you can decide which person you, you want to you want the help from. That's quite difficult in the real world, you know. Mm-hmm. You get this list of reputation of certain people so you can immediately hop there and, and see. We are now currently, just to be clear, we are now currently only running the version 1, mm-hmm. the tier 1, and the tier 2 will
0: be introduced later. So, And the yeah. distinction is the tier 1 is where it's free? And yes. It's just, yes. Okay. And it, so uh, the t- idea, just to repeat back, to so make sure everyone's getting the big picture, so... It's almost like you're Uber connecting people who need a ride with people who own a car. Yes, and then but you give some validation or some way of a, like you're a filter to evaluate possible risks and things. Just like before you get in somebody's car, you want to have an idea that oh yes, he's already completed eighty successful rides and
1: you, nobody's yeah. missed, turned up missing. If, yes, sir. Yeah, it wants to be a guy. that He just needs to email me. I will mm-hmm. uh, exchange a few emails with him so I know that his intent is clear. Mm-hmm. He really wants to help. And mm-hmm. of course if someone behaves improperly, we can just kick him off. Right,
0: right. Okay. Me. And then, but beyond that, at this stage, it's pretty wide open. Like the, like you're almost letting, as long as there's somebody who, and the criterion for success in your framework is, if there's two people who cannot reach agreement on their own, but they both are willing to say, hey, we really do need to come to agreement here. No. But, we, but we, what is intolerable is that we can't resolve this. So let's bring in a third party. Let's go to this site. And if they can find somebody maybe who demonstrates expertise in the thing they're arguing over, and then that person just here and allows them both to be maybe not happy with, but to agree that, okay, yeah, with this framework that this person suggested as a solution is better than the status quo. So then that, if he helped or she helped, then that, that gets checkmarked. And then other people know, oh, this person's good at taking two people who are in an argument and helping them move on. And mm-hmm. that's really what you're trying to do.
1: Yeah, exactly. And we provide the guides with curriculum we call it, and we designed on like best practices from mediation. We designed the mm-hmm. whole process. We divide it in, into several phases, which is designed to help the mediators or guides to lead you through the process. There are like communication tools, mm-hmm. and they can edit it based on their own practice. So each guide has its own curriculum, and he can through through the time he can edit it and basically, for example, create some part of the text that are very common. You can just then paste it there. Mm-hmm. And another thing is the shared experience. That's also that how the law evolved. For example, in the law merchant, we want, them, we want the guys to share their experience. So once they reach the agreement with the counterparties, we want them to anonymize it and to create like a schematic example. And to save this example into the database. And in the future, we would like to create this database of soft cases, which will then help uh, guides to take an example what worked, what didn't, what can be used to prevent future conflicts, and basically to create like the natural or, let's say, room book for the guides. So that's the, and we have also a forum that they can just uh, chat together, like the guides among each other. And we have a supervisor, which is like very experienced uh, guy who can give them advice when something got stuck or they need to help how mm. to go further. How to go further? He also mentioned the type of what type of conflicts we can solve. I think I I'll elaborate on that uh, because yeah, now we can of course help only people when both parties agree to go there and to find the resolution, but. What are those situations actually? I think that there are two things we can look at it from two sides. One is that you have to find a solution. For example, you have a neighbor and you have shared fans. You, you don't like the neighbor. You wouldn't like normally talk to him, but you know it's your neighbor and you need mm-hmm. to resolve the conflict because you would like to live peacefully and happily there. Mm-hmm. Both, neither of you want to move. So that basically you are forced because of the circumstances to go there and to look for the solution. Or you have a dispute with your colleague at work. You both want to keep your job, but it's impossible for you both staying there while having conflict. So again, you can go and try to reach agreement voluntarily. And if this, if it's full of emotion, you have problems communicating with the other party, you can simply invite him there and get help from the mediator who will Work with emotions, who will try to really get the root cause and who will walk you through the whole through the whole process. Another side we can look at from is like when you have like a shared motivation. For example, you are divorcing with your wife and you have mm-hmm. kids. So your shared motivation is you want peacefully and healthily raise your kids. So that's your shared motivation. So you have this motivation to find an agreement because that's what you want to achieve. Or Basically, you have, let's say, your business partner you have a dispute with, but you have a shared company. You both want the company to thrive, but you have some dispute. Again, you have shared motivation for the company to go further. So these are, the, for example, the situations where we can help. So that's what I wanted to address.
0: Whereas situations where it's not as obvious as if somebody says, hey... This guy came up to me in the bar last night and stabbed me. And he says, "No, I didn't. <laughs> it's not there. That there's too much going, you know, too much scope of overlapping incentives and and interests. That's that's almost like a zero sum game. But mm-hmm. but actually, many conflicts tend to fall into the first category you described, where both parties, like yes, they have a dispute and there's some rivalry, but there also is shared objectives too that might even be more important than what the underlying dispute is over."
1: Yeah, and we also introduced a new function recently, which is called consultant. For example, when you invite other parties to the dispute and they do not accept for more than two days, we immediately offer you a help with a consultant. We call him consultant. And he will help you to formulate arguments and to formulate BATNAs, if you know what BATNA is. BATNA is the best alternative to negotiated agreement. Mm-hmm. It's very often used in the mediation practice, it's basically the threat. What will happen if we do not reach agreement on our own? Mm-hmm. And he can help you to formulate like, those shared interests, you know, those butnas, and then show them to the counterparty to persuade them that it's always better to try on your own to get the responsibility and to take on the responsibility and try to, on your own to reach an agreement, than let it escalate and then end up in front of the court when it's always a win-lose situation, and it's almost impossible to continue with your relationship in the future. So we offer them this consultancy at the beginning, and if you succeed and your counterparty then accepts the invitation, the consultant is detached from the case, and you will get another guide uh, who will start from the zero. So that The guide is really impartial. So Mm -hmm. he has no history with you, with neither of you. So that the impartiality of the guide is maintained. So that's quite a new thing we introduced recently.
0: Okay, interesting. Is there a way that, do the guides sort of like advertise what their philosophy is? And then the the disputants, if they agree, yes, let's go to this website. Like, how do they choose? Do, do, Do they get an idea of, well, this is the framework that this particular mediator would use when coaching us?
1: Not yet, because we are no, now running only the, only the tier one, so you mm-hmm. don't know who will pick you, basically. Okay. Because it's for free, and even once the case is like displayed to the guides, they have to decide, okay, I have time now to help them, or I don't have it. So that's up to them whether, what case they will pick. But in the tier one, you will see the profile of each guide that he will have, you know, this is my expertise, this is my practice, That's what I studied, and this is my philosophical view, so you can then choose based on this as well.
0: Okay, I guess that is sort of like Uber, where you put your destination in, and I think it's the drivers who can go decide to pick you up or not, but it's not that you get to look between five eligible drivers and that you choose, but you know there's vetting on the front end that the only kind of person who's even eligible to pick up my ride is somebody that the company has already investigated.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. As I say, this is just for, for the uh, free tier. Mm-hmm. Because once it's free, we limit the possibility for you to pick. But once you pay for it, okay, feel free to, to choose the guide who is available and which
0: uh, suits the best your situation based on his expertise or, you know, education. Mm-hmm. Do you know how the pricing is going to work for the paid version? Like, do you, is it, you agree every week that this continues, we're going to pay you X amount of euros or USDC or something, and then this is send them to hurry up, but also they can keep going if they think it warrants more attention. <laughs> yeah, that's quite tricky. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and a lot of time thinking about it. The current approach we, we are thinking about is we will limit the number of messages you are eligible for per day from the mediator, and we will also limit the number of days he is available to you. And if you do not reach an agreement within this given period, you can then buy another period. That's what we are now thinking about. I don't know if it, this the final
0: solution, but it's the furthest we get so far. Yeah, I guess part of the, what you're doing here is you're learning how this is going to work. That yeah. there's, there's an entrepreneurial yeah. component yeah. to it. See how People
1: interact. And
0: then based on that, we will
1: reiterate, reiterate and reiterate.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. Folks, let's take a break from the action to explain what you can do to help make a difference. If you go to bobmurphyshow.com slash contribute, you'll see some interesting offers there, and you know what to do. Let's get back to the show. So I'm curious, it was interesting that you mentioned Stefan Molyneux's, what is it, universally preferred uh, ethics? Uh, rebel behavior. or bear behavior. Neat. Do you think there's, is it not a coincidence that you believe in an objective objectively discoverable rational basis for ethics and that you think a business like this can work. Because I think some people would say, oh, without force being involved, people aren't going to be able to come to an agreement because, you know, this guy wants stuff for him and this person wants stuff for him and there's conflict. And, you know, it's it's whereas it if it sounds like you're saying, well, no, but I believe that there are actually natural principles or norms that that we can discover with our reason.
1: Yes, exactly. It was the basics for me, I think I would say the ethical principles. And I built on that. And of course, those historical periods, various, uh, we could see that the ostracism is just perfect way how to enforce the uh, non-violently enforce the contracts. So we we know that it can work. But of course, you would need uh, a certain traction and certain size to be able to at least somehow use the ostracism. Let's say, I think you mentioned it in your previous episode about the law, about the voluntary law, that, okay, if you, for example, propose to the other party, okay, let's try this system or this judge, this mediator, and he, if he refuses everything, you can publicly say, okay, he refused all of those offers. So mm. He apparently doesn't want to find an agreement. And he, you can... Through so the community ostracism, you can push him to come to the negotiation table and try to find something that is acceptable for both of you. But you would need to be, I think, recognized to some degree, so that the people say, "Okay, this is well recognized system. There's this dispute, we know that they are fine people. We know that they are experts." You can, for example, limit the minimum rating or the minimum reputation of the guide. You will. Look at, or you will work with. So, or you can even give it. You can even write it into the contract. Okay, if we have a dispute, then we will use this system. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, yeah, we we first need to build the company to certain
0: volume to certain group. Right, because like right now, obviously, if I was thinking about, I don't know, having somebody on my show, and somebody emailed me and said, "Hey, Dr. Murphy, I think you need to know." that I had a problem with this guy that you're about to have on your show. And I told him we should settle it with Disputio, which is this organization, some guy from the Czech Republic just launched. You know, if I didn't know who you was, well, I don't, don't, that doesn't really mean anything to me. So the fact that he won't, and I could ask the guy, he'd say, what are you talking about? What is this? I don't know what this is. It's like the, this, the thing over here, dispute.io. What is that? I don't, you know, I don't, I'm not beholden to that. So, but if it did get to be, recognized and more and more people said, oh no, dozens of people I know have resolved their disputes through them and the mediators are great and they guide you through the process and it's very, you know, low impact and it's very fair. And so, yeah, if somebody refuses to bring their dispute to them, then that is prima facie evidence that this person, you know, it doesn't take a lot of time. These things are very efficient and snappy. And so, yeah, if this person's not even willing to do that, then, you know, It doesn't. This doesn't bode well, or doesn't isn't a good signal. So your idea is, in the beginning, it's going to be people who they have a dispute, but they both really want to resolve it, and probably they're also fans of voluntary mechanisms. That's why they would find what you're doing appealing.
1: But you're saying, as you get
0: (laughs) as your database grows and your sort of like common law case precedent gets bigger and bigger, then it's a snowball effect in a good way that more and more people go to it, and then just gets more credibility. Yeah, yeah, that's the plan. That's the plan. Yeah, we. The problem is that at the moment
1: when I try to explain to people what the application is about, I mostly came across the reactions like, "Okay, well, what? What do you said? Mediation? What is it?" Yeah, i <laughs> are not used to basically. Everybody knows. Okay, if we have conflict, we will go to court. Mm-hmm. We will hire the judge, and no one is. Most people don't know the mediation, and they don't want to take on the responsibility for the conflict resolution because, you know, it's not taught at school. I think in school, they basically are, they are teaching the opposite, you know, mm-hmm. they, the teacher will decide who is guilty, who is the culprit. So I think that the problem is in there. So people don't know it. And, and I feel like uh, building a gym and uh, trying to explain to people before everyone knew that the exercising is healthy, but it's slightly uncomfortable at the beginning. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Invest into uh, the exercise and you have to take on the responsibility for your health and you have mm-hmm. to take on the responsibility for your dispute resolution. But it, in the long term, it will bring you much healthier and much better life. And the same is for your relationships with other people. If you decide the, your conflicts on your own, first... Uh, You will strengthen the relationships with the people who you successfully solve the uh, the conflict with. And the second, you will learn how to resolve the future conflicts. So once it appears again with another person or the same person, you will learn the methodology which to follow. And you can help on your own. You would probably don't need the help in the
0: future. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's very good. Yeah, th- that was something, premise, So it's funny you say that, because I, I encountered a similar resistance from some people when I started writing on, you know, call it private law, voluntary law, whatever terminology you want to use, that, yeah, they just, people have been trained to think that, oh, when there's conflict between people, you turn to the state. And I guess it's not surprising because for a lot of people, that's the definition or that's the justification for the existence of the state in the first place. Mm-hmm. Is yeah. A, yeah, if every you know, the voluntary sector is, the private market and whatever, but then you need to have the government there for the legal so the court, law and the courts to enforce the rules so that the voluntary stuff has a framework within which to operate. And so it is a bit of a conceptual leap to say, well, what does it mean for that framework itself to, in a sense, be voluntary and spontaneous and to evolve over time? That that almost seems like a contradiction, but it's not. Yeah.
1: Even minarchists, you know, you would, mm-hmm. you would say that we have quite a, a lot of common ground with them, but even them say, okay, we need the state for, for the dispute resolution.
0: So, yeah, it's quite a tough task to tackle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So do you, have you put any thought into, like, I know, certainly in the United States, if, let's say, a husband and a wife, they're just fighting so much. They say, you know, we, we have to get divorced. It's, you know, and then we got kids and it's going to be awful, but this is the only thing we, can, we, we can't live together. So they can go to mediation and they can get an agreement that's handed up. But then what they have to do is take it to a judge who signs off on it. And that can depend on it because different states have different... All oh, if there's kids and the parental visitation, blah, 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 has to fit these parameters. So there's a lot of flexibility, but, in ter- but then you do have to go take it to a government, state-provided person. Have you thought through things like that? Like, like do you... for would you why your mediators are they going to try to like to say oh well the, the these disputes are coming from this jurisdiction and so we know what the statutes are so I'm going to try to tailor my recommendations so that what you're doing over there is legally enforceable or is that beyond where we're, we are right now?
1: I understand, but since you know we are on the internet so we can operate mm-hmm. basically around the globe, mm-hmm. it's not possible for me now to, to distinguish mm-hmm. where the people are using it, A lot I can imagine in the future, in the paid section, you know, you will have a distinction between the regions, between the re- jurisdictions, mm-hmm. and if the mediator has some education, mm-hmm. in, or he can then help you even with the designing, mm-hmm. the agreement, so it fits within the jurisdiction you are under. We have actually, a few of our mediators are lawyers, so we have those people there. So I can yeah I can imagine that it can be done by like this that they will have it in their profile so they can help you with this as mm-hmm. well.
0: Yeah, I know you know those premises, so but just make sure that the listeners understood mm-hmm. the, what I was suggesting there or wondering about. It's not that political authorities around the world would endorse the people working in studio. It's that the mediators to, for two particular people, like what would be most useful to them is if we could come up with a resolution. For how yours to proceed, given the situation you're in, that is compatible with what the official legal system is where you happen to live. So that you know, there, so you're not your private arrangement is not calling for you to do something that, if one party says, you know, I don't want to do this anymore, and took it to their local judge, mm-hmm. that he that person would say this is unenforceable. This violates, you know, blah blah blah. That it would be more useful, to, disputio would be providing more useful service if the agreements. Voluntary agreements that the mediators suggested were things that were fit in with the legal framework where the people happen to reside or do their business, so how do we help you make this project succeed because it's fascinating? Is it just getting the word out and do you need yeah. what do you need more of do you need more mediators right now or do you need more con- consumers we have uh, more consumers definitely mm-hmm. I have quite a strong interest from the
1: mediator side mm-hmm. it was approached by many people and we have by the A good uh, group decent group there of mediators but what we like is the users and the cases and we have loads of cases which end up like someone started the case the other party didn't accept the invitation or they accepted the invitation and didn't proceed with the communication so yeah we need more people who are really willing to try it and like honestly try to find a solution that would be the most helpful because, yeah, as I said, we need interaction so we can redesign and we can really see how the whether the people see it, that it works like it is, or that we need to change it somehow or bring in new functionalities. But yeah, we need uh, we need human interaction. So yeah, the most helpful would be to find the people who will
0: try it. Okay. Well, so folks, who's, if you're listening, so We'll say this again at the end, but just, so it's dispute, so D-I-S-P-U-T dot I-O. Exactly. So dispute but. And the
1: privacy is maintained. You can just provide whatever email address you want, and that's it. Mm -hmm. And we will create a name for you, and you can change it for whatever you want. And if you reach an agreement, after three months, we will delete all data from the system. So that we, 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 there is no connection between uh, what happened there and your email address. Yeah, and if nothing happens for months, I think we also start this three months deleting period. And the three months is there because within those, if you reach an agreement, you have those three months to come back to the guide and ask mm-hmm. him for help is, uh, this implementation. Mm-hmm. So that, uh, that's why we keep it there for three months because we know that, we know from the mediators practice that even though you reach an agreement, that there might be a new pitfalls going forward right. than implementing the, uh, the agreement into the real world.
0: Yeah, maybe things that neither party thought of that once they try to implement the agreement, oh, wait a minute, this isn't working well. And then it, just a tweak it would be easier than starting from scratch. Yeah. And when you say after three months, let's say there's a successful resolution, three months, the stuff gets wiped. What? But- the anonymized narrative still survives in the in the database, right?
1: Yeah, but it's not connected anyhow R- to right, right? It's not connected a- to their email, uh, so you would know. Mm-hmm. I only check that, whether those anonymized are truly anonymized. So right, right, you do not release them to the database, and the database is visible only to the mediators. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and I check whether they are like truly anonymized, so you cannot relate it to the real world.
0: I'm trying to think of a way. Because are you? I don't know if you're familiar, but on US television, there's shows that feature like there. It's called like one is called Judge Judy. And so they're judges. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And the, but it's TV, right? So like you get to see like it's a whole like it's a half an hour episode typically. Mm-hmm. And so there's like somebody says, Oh, this tenant was in my apartment and then they trashed the place and they owe me three months rent. I finally had to call the police and kick them. And the tenant says, Yeah, but the water heater was never working and the air conditioning was broken. And so I don't think I should pay them. And and so then, and they just say, they're thinking and then the judge is there who like asks them. And usually it's very entertaining and the judge is real tough. Mm-hmm. So the typical episode is that each party is telling a very self-serving narrative about where they're the victim and the other person's evil. And then the judge, you know, quickly gets to the bottom of this. And, and so it's very entertaining. So I'm wondering if there's a way you could somehow obviously with the permission of everybody, like maybe you say to the disputants, if you're willing for us to present an, an anonymized version of your case to mm-hmm. to the public, both to show them this is how our system works, but I'll, you know, that, you know, that will cut your fees in half or something, you know, because you'll do it as like advertising for your site. I'm just brainstorming, but...
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah it's fine. Mm. I was approached by one artist here who mm-hmm. said, hey, okay, I will just create some artificial problem and in my <laughs> And then we'll, you know, make it public mm-hmm. so people see how it works. So yeah, that we thought about this to make it more. And I actually, even to show people how it works, we have a video mm-hmm. there you can watch on on our YouTube. We created a short video. There is a disagreement between uh, husband and wife about the work at home. Who will do what? And in this like three minute video, we just showed. Okay, this is how the mediator. Or the guide will intervene or help you to find some common ground. So that, that was the first step to, in the explanation. But yeah, not many people watched that, <laughs> actually. Mm-hmm.
0: <clears throat> okay, so, uh, it's just funny because like in a perverse capitalism, like, you would have the incentive to go around starting conflicts because then mm-hmm. your organization would come in and cure that. <laughs> so... <laughs> Yeah, loads of them, you yeah. know, without artificial study. Yeah, right, you don't need to provoke them. The, the supply yeah. is there. Okay, yeah. well, is there, so if people, is that where they should just go is to dis, disput.io and then they'll be able to get to the YouTube video, like everything is easily accessible?
1: Yeah, yeah, everything is open, easily accessible. We are on Google Play App Store and on Google Play Store for application. And we are not yet on App Store from Apple. And But we are uh, tweaking the last uh, things and I hope that in like a few weeks we will be there. It's much more difficult to get to App Store than to Google Play Store. So you can get it into your phone and yeah, there are some YouTube videos and if you want to be a mediator or guide, just email me. You can find my contact there and I will get to you and we will talk and I can bring you there and show you and share with you the curriculum, all, all the materials we have in our database so you can see how we do it.
0: Okay, great. Well, I would encourage anyone who's been interested by this conversation to, to check them out. Folks, my guest this week has been premisel Bosak, the creator of Disputio. Premisel, thanks so much for your time. Thank you very much. Folks, thank you for tuning in and we'll catch you next time. You've just experienced another episode of The Bob Murphy Show. The podcast promoting free
1: markets, free minds, and grateful souls. For more information and to subscribe to this podcast, visit BobMurphyShow.com.